welcome to the 360 Man Project, where you can be the man that you were made to be. Today I've got an exciting episode for you. I have my dear friend, Jeff Whitmer, who is a pastor for 20 years and is now a life coach. He comes alongside people and helps them pursue their dreams, their passions, and he makes them a reality. Great talk today on abundance-based thinking and how you can change your mindset and get to a place where you can really start growing and become the person that you were made to be. So if you want to check Jeff out, he's at burningbushlifecoach.com, and you can follow him on uh, Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, um, Jeff Whitmer Ministries. So please uh, make sure you check him out. I'll put the note, the links in the, the show notes, and uh, I'm excited for you to hear this. So uh, stay tuned. <music> It's exciting. That's it. <laughs> no, exciting. I love it, man. I just, um, yeah, I'm at such a different place in my life. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm at like a Obi-Wan Kenobi stage in my life, you know, I just, uh, like a Yoda. I, you know, I'm finding myself <laughs> aligning with a lot of people going after their dreams and their goals and the, the heroes in their story. And, um, just finding myself at a really fun place with that. And just, to. So what, you know, for, for everybody listening, um, for the audience and maybe for the people who are going to hear it, that, you know, what, what have you been doing? How did you get started? And uh, just kind of give a, tell, tell us a little about who you are and what, you, what you're doing now. Okay. Are you already into the recording part? Oh, yeah, we're going. We're rolling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad I said things that are okay to be recorded. Oh, uh, well, we, you know, we do edits and stuff. It's <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's it's awesome. So, your question was what have I been doing lately? Yeah, and how did how did you get started in, you know, life coaching and uh just this this project that you're working on now? So, yeah, well, I, you know that I was a uh, a lead pastor of a church. I mean, just about 20 years, about, about 20 years or so. And um, I, I love pastoring. I just love, you know, just being in, I mean, it's, it's really a sacred trust when you're in people's lives like that as a pastor. Yeah. And I, lo- I loved everything about that. But the one, the one part that was difficult for me was um, in the area of like counseling and recovery where I didn't see a lot of people moving forward. Um, you know, so my schedule was increasingly filling up with people that were, uh, you know, we're counseling, we're, 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 he- I'm hearing the stories over again, what's going on in their life, what dysfunctional behavior is creating, the mess they're creating. And I just noticed that, um, you know, then the next week, they're back in my, in my calendar again, you know, yeah. we just keep talking about the same stuff. Is that frustrating? Yeah, it was super <laughs> frustrating because yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, and I didn't understand all my wiring and my calling at the time, which I under- have a better understanding of it now because then I was doing the role of a pastor and now I realize I'm more of a, an apostolic developer of people. So then I was just trying to, you know, come alongside people and really help them walk through some of their issues. Um, but I, I was frustrated with a lot of things in my life at the time, just, uh, you know, the pastoring, the routines, um, stuff it was doing. And I had an opportunity to work in a friend's coffee shop. And it got me out of the office. It got me out of the routine. And so where I was working was not far from courthouse. Um, so all through the day when I was, when I was working my shift, um, 
and people coming in just you know sharing conversation with what they're going through whether they were in trial or they were attorneys and and I found myself engaging with people on a different level than in a pastoral counseling level so I start actually talking to people and, and the person I was working for, she said, why don't you just use the conference room and just meet with people and talk to them. And, That's awesome. and, so, and so around that time, um, I discovered um, life coaching. So I became a certified coach around the same time. And I start really meeting with people that were in a business world, that were in law, that were in, you know, um, in just different spheres of, of society other than just being in the church. Because when people come to me as a pastor, you know, they talk to me as a pastor, right? which is great, but I didn't feel like we were moving forward. Um, so it's in 2007, then I became certified as a life coach and I, the principles changed, the paradigm shifted for me, what I was going after with people in our conversations shifted. And I just had this, this aha moment inside that I realized that the difference between counseling and coaching for me was huge you know and for me I can combine the two um, but coaching looks forward more than counseling tends to look backward um, and so I got people looking forward uncovering the blocks that were in their path the, the the mindsets that were sabotaging their success I was able to partner with them along those lines and help them move forward and create those shifts in their thinking um, so that's kind of how I got started and then um, it was about eight years ago. Actually, this this ex the the roots of this is deeper than eight years ago. But it was about eight years ago I I walked away from our ministry um, just in search of what's more for me. And I'm putting that in quotes because I wasn't sure what that was. Sure. Um, so I came out here to Reading and be a part of our community here at Bethel and um, uh, just for as a sabbatical, just to get away and regroup and retool. And uh, now that sabbatical has gone on like eight years now. <laughs> and uh great yeah so um, <laughs> so i'm on my eighth year of my sabbatical and um i tried to do some other jobs while i was here i went through the school ministry um, my son went through the school ministry with me here and um, i tried to do some other jobs and nothing was a good fit yes. you know, you're a 20-year career pastor just normal normal working just doesn't work for you anymore right yeah um so then I just decided that uh, I was going to give myself hundred percent to, to coaching and developing people. And, um, so built my, my practice here. And, uh, I also start to certify people in, in coaching and help develop other people that want to actually become coaches and develop their businesses. So that's kind of how I'm at now. So I've been coaching since 2007. So it's been, you know, it's about as long as I've lived in Ohio. Almost. Okay. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, so I was, you touched on us, you know, something that said you were kind of stuck in a routine, um, doing the same things and just kind of mulling over the, going through the motions, so to speak. I actually believe that people or, and you, you see this probably all the time, but especially men like that are in, uh, that I see now, maybe my age, they get stuck in these patterns. Um, and I don't know if it's, you know, I get stuck in a grind of I'm, I'm just paying the bills or I'm just, I don't really know what's going on. And, you know, I think you, you had that thing too, where you're like, there's, there's something different here. <clears throat> I'm sure you have people that you coach uh, that come to you and say, you know, I, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my identity is. 
but I, I want, I want to know. So what, what do you, I mean, how do you, what would you say, or how do you help a, a man or somebody that would come to you and say, you know, how can I find my identity? What's my purpose? It's a tough, maybe a difficult question, but. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great question. There's a lot of layers to that. Um, first of all, to be aware of what dulls us, you know, and, and sometimes we, there's no change until the pain of remaining the same becomes greater than the pain of change. Sometimes we don't change because we don't hurt enough. Wow. So what happens is we have routines without renewal and it creates very dull edge. It's like just keep whacking away with an ax and never sharpening it, sharpening. And I, I think sometimes is, in, and I'm going to relate it to men, is sometimes we lose our edge and we lose our passion and our heart sort of um, like kind of disconnects from our daily experience. You know, we just go through the motions and, and um, men need to be in touch with their heart. You know, they need to be in touch with that, that, that wild side that they have. And there's so much in our responsibilities, you know, you know, I was in ministry and sometimes business, you know, it's just like we're strapping ourselves to the plow and we're just plowing and being faithful and dutiful, you know, every day. And we slowly lose our edge and as a part of us slowly dies. And that's usually when guys will come to a coach and say, man, I need to get my life back on track. I need to find my spark again. And, um, and uh, I actually took a, a season in my life when I did that, Stephen, you know, where I had to find, get my heart back. Sure. And it sort of led me on this path where I finally just walked away from everything. Um, I, mean, I wasn't satisfied with living with a dullness in my heart. And um, so usually when I get with guys um, in, the, in the area of coaching, I try to find out like where they lost their spark and what does that look like for them? And, um, yeah. And so basically that's where we have to go with it. So each guy's a little bit different, but do you, see, um, do you see kind of similarities or is it, or is it really that unique? Yeah. You know, when we're talking to men, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot in our culture today that is not, is not conducive to the deeper nature of a man, the deeper wiring of a man. Um, you know, like I said, you know, strap him to the plow and be faithful and dutiful yeah. and plow every day. And in the business world, they love it, man. Be on time, you know, do all that stuff. And in the church world, this is just like that. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember the movie with um, Woody Harrelson and uh, you know, a couple guys, No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. that was uh yeah that was a, that was a great movie no country like, for old men. like 2008 something like that yeah i think man that's that's like church for a lot of a lot of guys man it's like yeah. you know it's just like the, the the environment is conducive you know I'm, i know i'm in a community here where i feel like it's conducive to young girls um to create environments for young girls to thrive or you know um young beta males you know that kind of thrive in a woman's culture but masculine men men are in touch with their wild side they don't often find a place in those communities um they might end up uh, you know on security or something like that yeah. but to be a part of imparting and teaching and mentoring they're not often you know find their place so i think a lot of men are having a difficult time finding their place in today's world in a lot of ways and um 
And I think that's why guys are just like, hey, they reach a certain age and they're like, I have to do something. Yeah, it's, it's, I hit, they hit a wall, you know? I, yeah. I, I did it. I've, I've, I've done it. Um, that's actually how this, this podcast got started. In a way, my, the podcast, the website, just, you know, hit that wall. That's, I love what you're doing. doing I was in, checking I, it out, man. This is so good. I appreciate that. Thank you. And likewise. So we talked about, you know, the culture and this distraction that there's just a lot going on for men. But I know you talk a lot about mindset. And yeah. that's, that's what uh, just recently I've been listening to your abundance-based thinking is all I mean it's all mindset and I I love it because it's not it's something that it's so true I mean we we are our own worst enemies and we believe a lot of lies and um, you know you talked about finding out when that spark died in these men that mindset may be the change that has to take place and um, you want can you talk about abundance-based thinking and how you got how you d- discovered that and just what it, what it is as much well, as you can. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. <clears throat> I love the risk you take asking a preacher questions and try to do it. And, um, <laughs> it's like, all right, let me make a series out of this. Yeah. Um, I know. Let's, let's, yeah, we'll come back. We'll do uh, volumes, volume one, <laughs> volume two. <laughs> well, that was the cool thing about pastoring back in the day. Cause if I didn't finish a message, I could always come back and do part <laughs> And it ended up becoming a whole series. Yeah, you're like, oh, we've been going for an hour and a half. You know what we're going to do is part two next week. This is, I don't even have a plan, but we're going to You were part it. of my church back in the day, so you know about that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah abundance-based thinking. Well, you know, for one thing, let me go back to, um, you know, one of the, um, you know, in our culture, you know, just going back to, I mean, history of the Stoic philosophy, you know, just our Western society is built on and, one of the disciplines that they had was a discipline of perception. And, you know, in other words, we get to choose our perception. We get to choose our perspective of how we view life and reality. And I was thinking about this since I came here. Now I was, a, I preached faith as a, as a pastor for 20 years. I was, you know, I would be considered a word of faith preacher. Okay. Um, prosperity was a part of that. You know, I wouldn't say I was a name it, claim it, grab, gab it, grab it, kind of guy because I felt like we had to have solid principles in how we live our lives, including finances. But I always had a really strong faith in the provision of God. And um, when, I, when I came here and I walked away from everything, um, I had insecurities surface um, that I, I wasn't aware of, that, just, that I wasn't aware of before I came here. And those insecurities, um, you know, I, I liken it into like the way of the frogs croak around a pond at, at night, you know, when the sun's going down yeah. and you start to, I heard this, this croaking inside and I was like, man, where are these deep seated insecurities coming from? I just like, I felt them just speaking deep inside me. And um, I realized that I was feeling um, insecure about my provision because we walked away from our church. You know, we no longer had our, you know, money coming in. And uh, I realized for 20 years, I didn't have to worry about finances. And I had to come to the conclusion of, you know, I don't even know if I was trusting God for it. I was trusting my board. You know, my board was, was paying, you know, right. if I ever needed anything, they would come through and I was well provided for preaching faith and um, provision. And, um, and then I realized that 
and I was preaching faith when I knew I had a solid team around me. Wow, that's pretty but, vulnerable for you to you know talk about that. That's <clears throat> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I just came to this place and I was like, why am I feeling so insecure? This is not like me. You know, it's like the Grinch after, you know, he rescued the toys and he's, you know, he had feelings that he didn't feel before, you know, and I was like, what's happening in my heart? You know, what's going on here? These insecurities were, were, were surfacing. And I started to really pray into that. And I, I noticed that um, what they were saying to me was coming from a, a narrative, well, I'll call an orphan spirit or an, a, an orphan narrative, you know, it's like a, a, the narrative of an orphan is, is insecurity, um, lack of identity and lack of hope. Those are like the three, you know, things of, of an orphan. And one of those is insecurity is lack of provision and, and lack of protection. If you don't feel safe or provided for, that's where you feel like, man, I'm an orphan. I'm, I'm, I'm going at it alone. I'm in this world alone. It's up to me to provide. And when this happened, started to happen to me, um, we were really struggling financially. <clears throat> and um, I, um, I started to pray into that to find out where, you know, where's this coming from in me? And it, it's kind of rooted in some things in my history, which is another story, how it was formed. But when I was going through that, I had to, I had to take this before God. I was saying, you know, if you really are my provider, then why do I feel so afraid? that I'm not going to be provided for. And it was money was not coming in and things were really challenged. You know, we were being challenged. You know, we were, a lot of our money went up for tuition and all that stuff. And three months in a row, as I, I went into praying about this as God, as my provider, which is scriptural, you know, God says, I want to be your Jehovah Jireh. I want to be your provider. And I'm thinking, is this only theory mm-hmm. or is this, is this true? You know, knowledge not experienced is the truth not experienced is only a theory. I was tired of theories. I preached theory. I realized I was doing it when I was preaching the word. Anyway, three months in a row, Stephen, I had Amazing. a I had a miraculous provision, and um, you, you know, I just I don't want to make a story too too long, but I came to the end of the month. Three months in a row, I had we had just supernaturally. Whether people sent us a check, um, actually, uh, your brother was a part of that, and he doesn't even know it yet to wow. this day. Um, and um, so, three months in a row, I had we had exactly almost to the penny what we needed. The first time, I thought it was a coincidence. The second time, I was like, "Wow, that was amazing." The third time, I said, "God, you really are coming through, aren't you?" And as soon as I said that, I felt this. I felt his presence just kind of shoot right down through me. And I just said, Oh my gosh, you really are my provider. You came through. And when I had that awareness, the fear left me of feeling like I was alone. And like when Jesus had the heavens open and he heard the voice of his father saying, you're my beloved son. I'm well pleased. I felt that kind of experience. Wow. After that, the fear was eradicated. The fear was removed. Business started to open up. Business opportunities came. I start, had some new opportunities given to me. And everything I was striving for up to that point, I think my fear was blocking it, started to open up. And then I took the next three years, really, and developed the concept of um, abundance-based thinking. And that's to upgrade our perception of reality to match kingdom reality, to match what we really believe to be true about God's nature. 
And I realized that we get to choose how we perceive our reality. It can be either based on the lies of our past, <clears throat> the lies of, you know, you're not wanted, you're not valued, <clears throat> or we can base it on what we know to be true of God's word and his intention towards us as sons. You know, if we truly are sons, we got a good dad. Yeah. His intentions towards us is for a future and a hope. And uh, the, the Bible also says in Romans 8.28 in the Passion Translation that we're convinced. Paul said this. He said, we are convinced that, that the, the circumstances of our life are being woven together to bring good into our lives, basically according to his grand design and his purpose for us. And I was thinking the circumstances of my life didn't look favorable. It was the exact opposite of what I was believing for. But either the Bible was not true or I wasn't seeing it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Paul, Paul was in prison and he says, we are convinced that every detail of our life is being woven together to fit into God's plan of bringing good into our lives. I thought, I think I'm missing it. I'm looking at the wrong thing. So abundance-based thinking takes people on a journey of, of, um, of completely creating new mindset to see, the, and, and to see the sacredness of every moment and how God is actually moving and working in our lives in every moment, bringing good into our lives as his sons and his daughters. And it's changed my perception of reality. It's changed my perspective. It's changed how I open myself up to bring abundance into my life. Fear is a block. When I'm fearing and, 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 uh, and fretting, it brings a block. It's, it closes the heavens over my life. But when I see things from God's perspective and I open my heart up to gratitude, you start to unlock things into your life. And blessing begins to flow where you didn't see it before. You start, your life becomes marked by divine favor like you've never seen it before. So I, I know that after hearing this, it's, I mean, it's completely split my mind open here you know blown up i saw what that was i should see smoke coming yeah out. did you see smoke coming out of my ears but but it might uh, be the picture behind you it could be the tree the low yes. tree but uh you know you you talk about how you you really weren't sure you know this this almost fear right i mean that's essentially yeah. what it what it was and i mean i have those same fears <laughs> i I believe that um, I'm not alone in those. I, I know that I have fears like that. I know every guy probably has those fears, especially being the provider, like you were saying. And I know there's guys that they, you know, their their identity is tied up in that. And you know, if tomorrow something happened, you know, what am I going to be crushed? Am I going to be, or where 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 is my hope? Where is my uh, and I think I would probably come to the same conclusion of I would have some deep seated fears and it would expose a lot, a lot in me. And that's really what I'm, what I would be after to try and figure out. So you have, uh, I know you do videos sessions on, uh, you do like Facebook live sessions, but do you have like a workbook or anything like that, that, um, people could get to work through this or, you know, get with you to, to help unpack that for them? Yeah, absolutely. I have a first edition workbook on abundance-based thinking and the second edition, which will be expanded. Yeah. 
Um, it will, I'll be, hopefully by April, I'll have that available. And also I do coaching sessions with people to help them through this. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be available. Yeah, do you have a website or anything or a, a link that anybody can get a hold of you at if they, yeah. you know, to get this, this um, workbook or to schedule a session with you? Yeah, they can go to burningbushlifecoaching.com. Okay. Um, they can go there and then Burning Bush Life Coaching Facebook business page. I mean, great. that's another great way to connect with me. Yeah, I'll put those links in the show notes so people can go to them. Um, yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is am amazing. So after, after you kind of went, you know, you've gone through that, you've experienced something that and I always wondered that, you know, it's, it's easy to say something, but to actually experience it is a whole different thing. And, you know, it's like, I can, I could, uh, I, I don't know, I'll just give something very simple for, for myself. Like, okay, I, I could ruck 50 miles, right? But until you're actually out there rucking 50 miles, I mean, when you're in that, it doesn't feel great. It's not the best thing in the world. You actually feel like quitting half the time. And I imagine that's what it felt like, you know, for you is you're just, you're praying, you know, and, yeah. and then it happened. But you, you come from a, you teach people this, uh, this, not from, I mean, it's from, you lived it out. And that's, that's amazing. Um, so when you, when you do coach men or women um, and teach them this abundance pitch, what's the biggest obstacle in that um, for them that you might see? I think, I think sometimes, oh, do you have something more with that? No, I'll, I'll follow up. I was just, it's better okay. to hear that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you remember, you know, something back up for just a moment when, when fear is an emotion, you know, and emotions are a voice, you know, just like pain is a symptom. It's a voice, you know, telling you that your body's talking to you, something's out of whack. Fear is an emotion that's telling you something, a belief system's out of whack. Um, and, uh, and when you listen to your, your, your fears, they'll, they'll talk to you. They'll tell you what you believe. And a lot of times when I hear with people, um, if I could try to get down to maybe distill it down to its essence, I think maybe um, low self-esteem and, and possibly shame, you know, if that's, if shame is an identity emotion, you know, and I, and I think if we have any shame base uh, in us at all or a low self-esteem, we might th not think this stuff is for us. You know, and, um, you know, what that's just in general, in life in general, or, you know, especially in the church, you know, if, if we're, if we have a, um, if we're in a culture that does not help us understand who our true identity, um, we might dismiss these things and think it's for somebody else. So I, I like to go down to the core of how people perceive themselves because you come right down to it. Everything hinges on two things. One is how we perceive God and Number two is how we perceive ourselves. Yeah, I think you know, the, sorry. The, no, it's okay. Self-esteem and uh, I, 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 I agree. I, I believe it. I, I see and even in my own life, you know, it, that's really what it boils down to. Am I good enough? Am I 
you know, do I have what it takes? And that's a question I think that haunt, I mean, it, it, it haunts men, especially, you know, do I have what it takes? Do I, am I, am I the man that I'm, I'm, I'm the man that I'm supposed to be? Am I doing everything I can? And that question I think goes unanswered a lot. And not only that, but like you were saying, culture, it, it, it's like a, you know, we have a culture that's on, or that culture that's ADD. It's, you know, we, we say it's this, we say it's, you know, we say it's all sorts of things. And here's your, your identity is found in your work. Your identity is found in your social media likes. Your identity is found in, you know, your, your success or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if we're measuring to that, yeah, we're all, I mean, I, I'm a failure in a lot of those areas. And if I, if I hold myself to that, I, that's a, and I've even, you know, that, that breaks down in my mind and it, it limits my, my thinking, my mindset. So true. So definitely see how that would be something that you have to coach people through. And, um, before you said it was more of a pastor thing, so it wasn't really coach. It was more of going over the same things. Now it's you come alongside people and help them break through these barriers. Um, so how? So once you've reached this rock bottom point, where where do we go from there? What's that? What's the next the next step? You mean with with uh, people coming for coaching? Yeah, I mean you. It, you're, you're breaking it down to this fundamental rock bottom place there. Yeah. You know, I want to just, you know, touch on the the self-esteem part Um, because there, there are, there are three, three ways we measure our awareness of self. You know, one is self-concept, you know, it's our kind of our global perspective of ourselves relative to the world around us. You know, you're, uh, you know, you're a white guy, you know, you went military. I mean, we have a way of like our concept in the world. Um, so sometimes that could be favorable. Sometimes it's not somebody who's a, a minority or maybe a woman in a certain culture, you know, so there's a certain way that we perceive ourselves in the world. So it's based on perception. The other thing is esteem is how we feel about our concept. So if I have a pretty good concept of myself, I'm pretty well accepted. I, my esteem is pretty healthy. If I feel like I, I'm, I'm not feeling good about who I am in the world, my, my esteem is low. And then third, there's self-worth. That's the value that I have based on my esteem and my concept. And if, if somebody comes to me and they're just down, they're not moving forward with their life, I try to, and it doesn't take long to hear people talk because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, they will tell their story. Yeah. And you'll be able to locate how they really feel about themselves. So we try to look at their concept. And with men, um, you know, there are, there are two. Men take a wound in their heart. I mean, if I can, just, if I can come down to this, and you actually touched on it. Um, if I look at one essential issue with men is like that idea I, the, the question is, do I have what it takes? Um, and that's, that's a question that's really answered, first of all, by our fathers. Yeah, but we didn't always have dads who really helped us understand that. 
And uh, there's a point where, I think what John Eldridge talks about, there's a point where we're the most vulnerable as boys relative to our fathers. We're actually trying to help with something. We're trying to show up as a man in the world. Usually we're young, eight, nine, 10 years old. And we put ourselves out there, we become very vulnerable. And our father's response to our question determines whether or not we feel like we have what it takes or we've been wounded. If our fathers wounded us, in other words, the arrow pierced our heart, like a poison tipped arrow. It's like you would take a wound and it's not just the wound itself, it's the poison that seeps into our system. In other words, if we've been damaged at all by our fathers, we, we go through life wondering if we have what it takes. And that sense of low self-esteem, that, that question that we have, do I really have what it takes? And we look for validation. And you had mentioned how we look for it outside ourselves, in our performance, on our job, our families, our women in our life. And so we're looking for it outside, but it seems like the question never gets answered. With women, the answer, come, the question is a little bit different. And her question is, am I lovely? Am I worth being loved? Am I worth being pursued? And her, her question is a little different than a man. A man is, do I have what it takes? A woman is, am I lovely? Am I worth pursuing? And if her question was not answered, then she goes her whole life feeling like I need to prove my worth, mm. you know? And maybe it's, maybe it's the makeup and performance and you know, sexuality and all these ways that she's always trying to get her question answered. And it kind of leaves a sort of hollow, men and women. And so we just have hollow men and women trying to get their questions answered from each other. And no one can answer those questions except their father. And that's where we come back to our heavenly father, who we have to have this sense of validation and affirmation from him. And that's why encounters with him really is where our questions get answered. Um, and where I, I went through and I had my my doubts about my provision and you know a narrative of an orphan is i'm on my own you know it's up to me right. to provide it's up to me to come through you know, i'm rolling up my sleeves and i'm going to kick ass until you know i get what i need and then when i finally had my encounter i was like i got to the point where i couldn't do it myself i couldn't come through myself and i finally came to a place of i had to surrender and out of that surrender came the validation that you really are my son and I'm really am pleased with you. And then out of that, my, my weakness, my pain became a portal into his presence in a way that I've connected with, you know, with God as a source that it actually, my weakness turned into a strength, new ideas and new strategies and the way I would love people changed as a result of that. Um, my heart for, for men and my heart for women changed as a result of that. Um, and so I do, you know, when you know, answer the question, when we come to men and we, we talk to them, I try to come back to that basic question, you know, where's your, where's your concept of yourself? You know, how do you see yourself in the world? Are you the hero of your story? You know, where can we go from here? Wow. Um, so I listen to the narrative of their story. So the question about, you know, am I... Do I have what it takes or am I good enough? I mean, 
the reality is I'm not, I don't have what it takes, but my father does. And, and if I'm connected with him, then I do too. Yeah. And it helps us get in touch with our nature. Yeah. And when I get down to my nature as a man, I'm a warrior at heart. I'm brave heart yeah. in my nature. You know, that's my nature as a man. And it's I think every man wants that in their life all the time. I mean, it, and it can, the, the, the thing that you're talking about is it can be that way. It can be that way. Yeah. And I think that's where this encounter with God becomes where we have to get rid, we have to get break free of the shame. And um, shame, the sh shame, the between shame and guilt is guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says I am something wrong. I can't, guilt I can fix. I can correct the wrong. With shame, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. Until I come back to this encounter and realize, wow, I really am accepted by my father. And he blesses that and, and he releases in his nature over us and that forgiveness and freedom. And then we come back to our essential nature of who we really are. And at our core, we are warriors. We're brave. We're powerful. And sometimes we don't know that when we're just, we're just, you know, we're pining away. We're going through our own strength. We, we're carrying our wounds and our baggage, you know? So I think it comes down to that encounter as men, you know, we can stand naked and not ashamed before our father and have a, a reset. You know, we can hit the reset button, start over and become the men we were designed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Man, thanks a lot, Jeff. That's a, uh... Excellent stuff. I got, I think I'm going to, I got a lot to think, think about. So no, that's uh, Good man, uh thanks. what was the, can you give the, the name of your, um, your website just one more time? Yeah. The website is burningbushlifecoaching.com. Okay. And then any of my Facebook stuff, burning bush life coaching, Jeff Whitmer ministries, any of those ways are great ways to connect with me. Okay. And like I said, I'll put those in the, the show notes for everybody to, to check out. So and I'll put a link to, um, to all Jeff's pages. So man, great having you on. I, I appreciate our conversation. Love having you. Yeah. So good to connect with you again. And I love what you're doing. It's been, it's been my heart. My son, actually, I'll uh, talk to him as well. I mean, we've been having a heart to do some of the stuff that you're doing. So yeah, let me know. I, I'll help you in any way I can. Appreciate it. <laughs>